You've, all, you've heard already this morning perhaps the most famous and possibly the most preached on verse of Scripture. It's found in today's Gospel reading, and it is, of course, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So significant that half of it is displayed on banners in this room. A powerful text, beautifully sung by our choir this morning. Thank you for that. But I'm not going to preach on that text this morning. Instead, I want to concentrate on the two verses that come immediately before it. Verses 14 and 15, where we read, So, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. If that most famous of texts, John 3.16, speaks to us of the nature and extent of the Father's love for the world, which it does, then these verses immediately preceding it speak to us of the Son's love for the world and how, for that reason, the world can know the eternal life of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ and by way of his cross. But what is that eternal life in God through Jesus Christ that comes to us by way of the cross? Well, to help us answer that, I want to suggest that we need to engage with the game of snakes and ladders. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? When I say snakes and ladders, I guess most of us played it as children. Perhaps some of us still play it now with children and grandchildren. It's a very simple game, isn't it? Where there are one or more, two or more players, and you have counters, and you shake a dice, and you count numbers on a square board, and I think usually there are about a hundred squares. And the first one to get to the end, to get to the top of the board, is the winner. And along the way, there are some things that can cause you actually to fall back. Big snakes that if you land on the head of a snake, it takes you back down right to the bottom end of the board. But sometimes, if you're fortunate to land upon the bottom rung of a ladder, then wow, you can zoom up the board and get nearer to where you're going, nearer to winning the game. So I want, first of all, to draw your thinking towards the snakes. In my last circuit in South Yorkshire, I had a colleague, a lay pastoral worker, who cared as much about snakes as the people in the churches where he worked. 
Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying that he didn't like the people that he worked with in the churches very much. Quite the opposite. He really did care for them. No, it's just that he had a great love and passion for snakes as well as for people. He kept them as pets in his home. Can you believe it? They didn't need taking for walks twice a day, but he still enjoyed spending time with them, just as you might with a dog or a cat. He would wrap them around his neck and shoulders, and he would lovingly stroke them. He once invited me, when I visited his home, if I would like to do the same. He only asked me the once, mind. <laughs> and I graciously declined his generous offer. Now, I don't know about you. You might be all snake lovers here today. You might enjoy wrapping a large snake around your neck and shoulders and stroking it. My guess is that quite a few of you, like me, might not. And if that's the case, it's probably because there's something deep within us that feels threatened by snakes. Not only because of the fear that we might get attacked and bitten by them, but because we feel that there's something inherently nasty and rather evil about snakes. And if that's how we feel, then I believe we're being drawn back to that seminal story in the book of Genesis that is all about a snake. There, you remember, a serpent in the Garden of Eden deceitfully persuades the woman Eve that if she eats of the forbidden fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, then she will not die as God has said she would, but that she will become like God knowing good and evil. Eve is taken in by what the snake tells her and eats of the forbidden fruit, and she also gives Adam, her husband, some of the fruit as well, which he takes and eats. In the choice that they make, Eve and Adam disobey God, and through their desire to be like God, their relationship with God is broken. Sin, which is really separation from God, now enters into the world, and with it come evil and death. Their story, of course, is our story, yours and mine. It's all humanity's story. It's the world's story. It explains to us why we human beings often behave as badly as we do. Selfishly, cruelly, brutally, ruthlessly. It's the theological backstory to why people fall out with each other through resentment or jealousy. Why families are split and divided by long-held feuds. Why groups, tribes, and nations display hatred and animosity towards one another. In the game of snakes and ladders, we slide down the snake and drop back down the board. So too, the serpent in the garden caused us to fall down 
into the depths of sinfulness, away from where we were meant to be, which was at one with God in the garden of paradise. So perhaps there is something very deep in our human psyche that makes us recoil from this creature which has come to symbolize evil in the world and the potential for wrongdoing in each one of us. So what then is to be done about it? Or rather, what does God do about these consequences of our human rebellion and arrogance? Well, the answer is that God tackles the serpent head on. In our gospel passage, John refers to an incident in the Old Testament recorded in the book of Numbers. During their wanderings in the wilderness, the Israelites complained against Moses and were punished by poisonous snakes invading the camp and biting many of them, resulting in death. The antidote was supplied by God. He instructed Moses to have a serpent made out of bronze and erected high on a pole where all the people could see it. If people looked up at the image of the snake, as God instructed them to do, then they would live. But if they didn't, then death would surely follow. And this is why, strangely, a serpent entwined around a pole is used even today by some organizations as a sign of healing. In the same way, John tells us in his gospel that the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. A clear reference to the cross of Jesus. The only cure for our human condition is for us to look upon the Son of Man crucified, just as the Israelites were told to gaze at the serpent on the pole. When the Israelites did that, they found that life was given to them because the poison from the snakes no longer had a potentially fatal effect upon them. So too, John is saying, when we look at Jesus crucified, when we gaze upon him, and when we put our trust in him and the power of his death, then we find that the poison of sin, evil, and death loses its eternal hold upon our lives. The antidote for our deadly disease is an innocent man suffering the fate that was ours through our disobedience. By his death, we come to have life, eternal life, through faith in the Son of Man lifted high on the cross. As the Israelites were saved from physical death, so we are saved from spiritual death and eternal separation from God. Now, when we play snakes and ladders, we don't much like sliding down the snakes and going back towards the bottom of the board, do we? But when our counter lands upon the bottom of a ladder, we rub our hands and with joy, we like to zoom up the board, climbing nearer to where we want to be. So after the snakes, 
Let's think for a moment about the ladders. Think of Jesus lifted high on the cross as a kind of ladder by which we can climb up the board of life from the earthly depths of our sinfulness to the heavenly heights of life with God, freed from the stranglehold of sin, evil, and death upon our lives. By the cross of Jesus, we are brought to life, the life of God, the life of heaven, eternal life in Christ. As the second century theologian Irenaeus said, God in Jesus came to share our humanity so that we could be taken up to share his divinity. Or, as Graham Kendrick puts it in one of his songs, he lifts our humanity to the heights of his throne. The snake's deadly venom that would drag us down to the depths is overcome, and eternal life is given us by the ladder of the cross of Jesus, which lifts us up to the very heights of God. But this life, this eternal life, isn't simply about life after death. It isn't just a ladder by which we can climb up and secure our passage in heaven. Eternal life is about life here and now as well as life beyond death. And that brings us back to the first part of our reading today and the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Jesus tries to get Nicodemus, a religious leader, to see that the life of earth can be joined with the life of heaven. That heaven is about life in the here and now, not just about life beyond death. That's why in this conversation that he has with Nicodemus, Jesus lays so much emphasis on being born spiritually as well as physically. Through the Spirit, eternal life is given as heaven comes down to earth. And all this is made possible through the cross of Jesus, the ladder by which the Spirit of Christ brings the life of heaven to earth. In the other Gospels, it's often called the life of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Hence the prayer that Jesus gave us with the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So then, we too are invited by Jesus, as Nicodemus was, to enter the kingdom by seeking to bring eternal life, the life of God's kingdom, the life of heaven to earth through the Spirit at work in us here and now. That's why, as a church, we promote fair trade. Because fair trade is about eternal life here and now for so many in the developing world. That's why, as a church, we actively support the St. Vincent Family Project and the Parkinson's and mental health drop-ins, as well as the passage and the night shelter. Because we want others to share the values of God's kingdom, the life of God, here and now. That's why we have a healing ministry at this church. 
because we believe that through healing prayer, God's kingdom, the life of heaven, impacts upon our earthly life here and now as we are brought to greater healing and wholeness. When as Christians we engage in these and other such ministries and activities by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are seeking to make the kingdom a reality for others. It's as if we're providing the ladder of Christ to join the life of earth to the life of heaven. In practical ways, we're working out the effects of the cross of Jesus, the means by which God sought to reconcile us to himself, to end our brokenness with one another, and to bring together earth and heaven. We're not simply meant to gaze faithfully and piously at the crucified Jesus and thankfully know that our place in heaven is secured when we die. We're also called to make the cross the means by which the snake was defeated into a ladder to heaven on earth for individuals, families, churches, communities, and nations. So then, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The snake would bring us down to the depths and drag us away from God, but the cross of Jesus is a ladder by which we climb to the life of heaven, not only when we die, but here and now as we live out our life in the power of the Spirit. And through our Christian ministry and service, we provide a ladder for others also to climb out of the depths to the life of heaven come on earth, the life of God's kingdom. Snakes and ladders might well be a favorite children's game. And I often play it with my granddaughter who always wants to win. But for us, it's much more serious than that. It is literally a matter of life and death on so many fronts. And because of the cross of Jesus, our task is to declare in word and deed that actually everyone can be a winner, not only in the life to come, but in this life, here and now. Thanks be to God. Amen.